Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aimed in towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! Once again, the target's banished the flick on. Gather around villains and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. There are several Villa players on international duty at the moment, so we'll be picking up on some of the talking points from from that and taking a look, a little brief look back at the Bournemouth game and look ahead to the Premier League return as Villa travel to Stamford Bridge on Saturday. I'm your host Andy and joining me for this one, it's Dan. Hiya Andy, how's it going? Hiya listener. Um, a little bit of uh, an inside baseball thing for you. This is the second time Andy and I have recorded. We we did a podcast a week ago that that due to technical failings on my end has, has ended up on the cutting room floor somewhere. So uh, so maybe one day you'll get to listen to it. I think Andy was professing his love for French fullbacks and uh, and going into depth about his love for Freddie Gilbert. But maybe, maybe we'll dig that one out one day. <laughs> DVD extras. Yeah, I, I, I don't recall that, but you know, it was it was a few days ago. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a bit. It was a, it was a great podcast, and it's it's such a shame that um, that it wasn't released. It would have it would have been transformative in uh, in uh, football podcasting, I, I think. But maybe it's a good thing um, that it, it never saw the light of day. But uh, it's us, it's no, Kane, Andy. It's it was our magnum opus. I think it will be the high point of our career, and we'll never be able to 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 rematch it. Yeah, maybe they'll they'll re- they'll unearth the uh, the uh, the content posthumously. Maybe hopefully in a in a long time, <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> we'll be famous uh, beyond our years. So yeah, <laughs> but uh, we'll 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 pick up on a few of the issues. We don't want to go over over the game too much because I'm sure. Anyone that follows um, Villa podcasts has probably uh, had their fill of the, the Bournemouth game, but we'll we'll pick on up on a few issues from International Week so far, um, and maybe have a, a quick look back and how it how it affects um, certain Villa players and and how it's been uh, you know how how we've been doing generally. Um, we might mention Emery as well uh, at some point, um, but <laughs> we could just start with England. We're recording this more or less directly after the. The England game um, at Wembley against Ukraine. Um, it was a comfortable kind of two 0 win. Bit of a flat kind of match, really. An atmosphere Ukraine didn't 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 offer an awful lot. And of course, this follows up um, a more impressive win uh, for England against Italy in Naples on on Thursday night. The big story, of course, is is Harry Kane. Um, now England's record goal scorer it was only a matter of time he's now on 55 scored again today um i mean not much to say really other than a, a steady start to the qualification campaign um we don't necessarily need to dwell on it too long because it's a villa podcast but um it really should be a, a formality now we're on our way to germany it feels like it, doesn't it? We were we were chatting actually before we started recording that England have become ruthlessly efficient under under Gareth Southgate, and maybe Harry Kane epitomises that. You know, a striker who scores goals at a rate of knots, but never never seems to look like he breaks the counter. He never has an amazing game, but he seems to bang them away plenty. And and again tonight, I didn't think he had a great game, but it was right place, right time to tuck it away and. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll talk about it with Villa, and and I know we've we've both said how weird it is to support a Villa team that actually looks professional and and competent at what their job is. And I've got similar feelings about the England team. It's odd to watch an England team that that seem to know what they're doing and turn up and professionally do their job. And it's it's almost dare I say it, a little bit boring, like watching Sunday night a bizarre England team where we can even play, you know, James Madison off the left unbelievably in the squad for, but uh, and and still just kind of you know trot out a 2-0 win quite comfortably it's my heart rate feels like it hasn't gone up at all 
which is and, and I'm just not used to it. It's odd. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah, we've all had um, we've all had our moments, haven't we, with England? And I think I think the fact is that that, that, that years ago we were probably the qualification campaigns were were more difficult anyway. Uh, it was harder to qualify, so there was a bit more jeopardy involved. Um, but the but these days it is it is fairly straightforward, and and I think that actually what we're seeing is the fact is now Southgate has built built whatever you think of Southgate, and there's a lot of people that don't don't like him or rate him, but he has built a, a really excellent elite um, uh, international team on the world stage, and actually they can. They can contain and and beat most teams on the planet, and that is that is impressive. The next step, of course, as we we always say, is is actually um, getting through the tournament and 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 beating the bigger teams. You know, we seem to whenever we face a, one of the bigger teams um, in a tournament, we 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 come out on the on the losing side, which which is a shame. But you know, maybe maybe. The next tournament will 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 prove that. I certainly I certainly um, think beating Italy in Naples was a was mm-hmm. a was a really big result, um, despite the fact that Italy are in a bad place at the moment, really. But tricky one, tricky, tricky place to go, and, and 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 did the job efficiently. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't actually watch the game, caught the highlights, but um, yeah, it, it is a tough place to go. Italy is always a tough place to go, and Naples especially. It's a cauldron of a city anyway, and and they love their football there. And and it is as you say we've become an elite team, but at the same time it's not without its problems for me. I mean, I was watching the game tonight, and I've already mentioned Madison, who who's a good player. I don't think's having a brilliant season. I'm surprised to see him in there. And the same with Harry Maguire, who who is Southgate's favourite and is going to start. And yet, you know, there's a certain left-sided Villa centre back who I think's playing out of his skin at the moment is probably the best playing English centre-back in the country, can't get in the squad. And, and Ollie Watkins can't get in the squad, even if Rashford decides he wants to go to New York for a holiday instead of playing qualification games. So <laughs> and, and, and it's still, from a Villa perspective, it still grinds my gears that we're playing this, this fantastic football as an England squad, and yet there's still no space for our players, even when we're probably the form team or one of the form teams in the division right now. Yeah, and I think we we touched on this, didn't we, in the uh, Never To Be Heard podcast. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, Tyra Mings, first of all, um, nominated for Premier League Player of the Month um, alongside Saka and, and um, uh, you know, and, and a few, and uh, Salah as well and a few others. You know, great great achievement and shows, really. I think for a, for a, an Aston Villa centre-back to be, um, to, to be picked out as one of the five best best players in in you know in March or whatever that um, I think that's quite an achievement really um, yeah you know d- doesn't doesn't kind of get the call and yeah you know, I'm not saying he should necessarily play ahead of Maguire because Maguire is kind of his shirt and whether he plays or for Man United or not he's kind of the England centre back but you'd have thought that you know if something happens to Maguire if he if he wasn't fit to play. Tyra Mings is the form player, and he's the, he's the one you want kind of coming in and 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 being the backup. Um, and as we said, you know he's never he's never really put a foot wrong foot wrong mm-hmm. for England, has he? Um, I think he scored for England. In fact, um, you know probably one of his last games. So yeah, it's a, it, it's it's an odd one, really. Watkins is kind of you know the more I think about it, the more I think. I want to see if I was Southgate. I'd want to see it over two or three months more, you know, mm-hmm. to, to to kind of build that consistency and and to kind of show that it isn't a bit of a, a bit of a hot streak. It is actually the way he's going to be now. Because you know, if you are if you are backing up Harry Kane, you have to be reliable. You have to be able to come off the bench and. And, and and do something or potentially in a tournament, you know, play. You know, if, if something happens to Kane, you've got to be able to step in and and do more or less the job that Kane does. So um he needs to be showing that really. And there are a few players around him, you know, we've talked about obviously Ivan Tony, Tammy Abraham, uh Callum Wilson, you know, mm-hmm. that have that have that have 
also been in and out of form at times. But I think uh, I think Watkins is 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 well capable. That he's got that all round game, hasn't he? To to fit in, he can play in different positions along the front line, and and I think um, he would be, a, you know, a real good man to have in the squad based on his strengths. He just needs to, you know, continue to score consistently over over the next few months, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And and here's me putting my tinfoil hat on though, Andy. Do you think if Watkins and Mings played for a different team, would they have got in the England squad? Because we see it with Grealish. He, I think he's not played particularly well since he's gone to City and he, he seems to play most weeks in, in England now, gets to call up automatically. And, and when he was at Villa, Southgate said he needed to do more. And I just get the feeling it's... It's odd with our English players because, you know, we'll come on to Emmy Buendia in a bit. I, I think Buendia hasn't been playing brilliantly for us, yet gets a call up for the world champions. Whereas two players who have been playing brilliantly for us can't get in a team ahead of players who maybe aren't playing for their clubs. So it's, I, I do, I don't want to be all conspiracy theorists. Like, I don't think the earth is flat. I don't think the moon landings were faked. But I do think that Southgate <laughs> has a problem with picking Villa players. <laughs> I think the made landings were faked. But anyway, <laughs> um, no, I think uh, I, I know what you're saying. I think the things that go against that are possibly that, first of all, in, in the case of Mings, the fact that um, as soon as we were promoted, he was he was picked for England mm-hmm. you know, straight, straight away. And I think Southgate um, kept him in the side or kept him certainly in the squad for an awfully long time, trusted him in the Euros when when Maguire was injured um, and, he, and, and he, did, he did really well. He just seems to have lost his place, you know, last summer really, just in time for the World Cup and that's really unfortunate um, and that kind of coincided with, with the, the issues with Gerrard and, mm-hmm. and losing the Villa captaincy and, and all that sort of thing. It all seems to have happened at once and he's on that, he's trying to recover that now. Um, I just think... Yeah, so, so I'm not sure it's a Villa thing necessarily. Um, I think with with Grealish, there was an element of that because I think Southgate wanted perhaps to see how he would be in a side where he wasn't the kingpin, where everything didn't go around him. Could he just fit into a team of other good players? He's, at Villa, he was the main man, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Um, in terms of Watkins, again, I think Southgate has been really... Um, full of praise for Watkins and his gen- his attitude and his general kind of his strengths that he has. I'm convinced if 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 um if Watkins can can go on a bit of a run now to the end of the season, I'm convinced he'll be in the in the next squad in the summer and um I, I really hope I really hope he is. Um plus the fact that that there might be more there might be even more kind of uh, withdrawals let's say from the squad <laughs> when it comes to that because I'm sure players will be wanting a, a bit of a break by then um so hopefully he keep keeps his form going but that's the it's good to have for him to have that target because that keeps him uh, keeps him focused I think yeah, and let's be honest, I mean, the selfish part of me doesn't mind at all that Tyrone and Ollie were, were with Unai Emery for the last couple of weeks. I think it's the Villa fan of me almost likes them not getting called up for England. But um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's, there is an interesting correlation between those those guys not getting in the squad and, and Steven Gerrard's kind of tenure at Villa Park, shall we say. And it was interesting seeing him on the, the Channel 4 coverage today where he, he offered what we know Gerard offers, which was talking about heart and they need to be accountable. And he, he just sounds like a pound lamb Roy Keane these days. It's it's unbelievable. And if that's how he was when he was managing us, it's no wonder that those players aren't in the England squad. But but we won't go down that route again. That's that's probably no. the, the lost <laughs> podcast was probably just an hour of that on Gerard. <laughs> yeah, he's still he's still living rent free, isn't he? We need to um we perhaps need to ban his name. I know Craig doesn't use his name anymore. Um <laughs> so maybe we need to take take that up. But yeah, he's left um he has left a bit of a hole, hasn't he, in the in the club really, which is such a shame after what the work Dean Smith had done mm-hmm. to to repair a lot of those those cracks. Um and then uh, he came and uh, put his his big size 10 boot through it um you know but but there we go we we're on the way up now um and and England as well um hopefully um but over the other side of the world um in Argentina we've got two players 
in the Argentina squad, in the, the squad of the, the world champions, um, Emi Martinez and Emi Buendia. Obviously, Martinez, their number one goalkeeper, their hero, uh, Debu over there, who's, uh, you know, um, enjoying, I think, the the, the celebrations, um, the first time they've they've obviously played since since the World Cup triumph. Um He's he's obviously number one. He was the uh, he was in the side um, as they beat Panama. Emi Buendia, um, not even on the bench for this one. I'm not sure whether he he maybe had a knock or just not 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 fancied. It was a full bench, you know, sort of ten or eleven players, and he wasn't he wasn't there um, to be seen. But you know, he's he's been part of those celebrations, um, which I'm sure he's you know has given him a maybe a little bit of a fire under him. Hopefully. Um, he'll be hoping for for some minutes in their next game on Tuesday night. Um, obviously, no disgrace to be around the squad of the world champions, and it'll be a welcome boost um, for him. Do you th- but do you think that it's something that, you know, at, at this stage of the season, travelling all that way to be part of the squad, um, he, like we say, he's not in the greatest form um, for Villa, Going all that way is that is it a is it a boost or is it kind of diminishing returns for him if he's not going to play? It's a good question because I mean I I think I think it is a positive. I think if you're Emmy Buendia as an Argentinian, you're excited about getting called up for your national team as as world champions. And and as an aside, how mad it is is it that we've got two Villa players in the world champion squad? I mean that's kind of crazy, <laughs> but. I think it can't have been bad for him to go over there to train with him to be around that atmosphere, that winner's kind of atmosphere. To to borrow a Stephen Gerrard line, but and you know to train with Lionel Messi, I'm assuming who was there, and and just to 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 feel what it's like, and and almost then I think it's good for Villa that he didn't make the bench. It's, they say it lights that fire. He's been given a taste of what he can maybe be a part of, and at this stage in the season, and and dare I say his Villa career, because I think. Of all the players that have improved since Emery came in, I think Wendy is the one who's been a bit patchy. And thinking back to the Bournemouth game, he had bad first half, decent second half, and and I think he needs all the all the encouragement he can get at the moment to to kind of be his best self, if that makes sense. I mean, we've seen seen Emery unlock talent in so many of this Villa squad. It's it's been incredible work. But Buendi has still been mercurial under him. And I think that's that's something that's frustrated Villa fans. And and I think that's something that he needs to to get a grip on if he's gonna have a future in this Villa squad. Because I think he's he's one of the positions that's perhaps most under threat in in the summer. He's he's a position that looks like he's he's upgradable now, which which is a shame because he he's such a good player. But Emery seems to be getting a tune out of five, six, seven other players rather than Wendy at the moment. Yeah, this is this this is the issue he has really, and I think part of the thing with him is that first of all, he's our record signing, and in in that regard, he's he's probably not really hit the heights we had hoped for. Um, there are. There are factors that we've talked about. Obviously, the signing of Coutinho um, possibly kind of got in the way of that a little bit. But I think also when he's he's been called up for Argentina before, and there was a period of time last season where <clears throat> Argentina, it seemed like everyone was playing three games in the international week mm-hmm. to kind of catch up from COVID. And players weren't getting back in time. I think Martinez played a game kind of on Friday morning in, in in Argentina and then was playing for us on a Saturday afternoon. I know Buendia certainly missed missed one game at least um in that in that time and from going to Argentina not playing and then missing a Villa game, mm-hmm. possibly lost his place in the team then caused a bit of disruption. Um I think with the you know with his kind of settling into the into the club, and then of course Smith loses his job. Gerard comes in and brings his own man in, and and that's um, that. Then you know it was a very stop start kind of season. This season's been a bit better. He's had a bit more of a consistent run in the side, quite rightly, and um, you know, but he's still not really got to that level. I think that we we were hoping for and. 
So he's kind of two years in now to his to his um, his stay at Villa, and we're not really sure about him, are we? I know a lot. I know he's a very popular player, and a lot of fans, you know, really rate him highly. But I'm struggling to see it. I'm, you know, and I, and I know I've said this before, but people keep kind of telling me, well, you know, any minute now, you <laughs> yeah. know, this this is, you know, this guy's going to take off. You know, still still waiting, really. Not that he's doing badly; he's just not doing brilliantly. I'm one of the ones who keeps telling you to wait, but I'm starting to lose my patience now. I think I think what he has going for him is the versatility in this this Emery system. He can come off the left, he can probably come off the right like he used to for Norwich, and he can play that kind of second striker role as well. So I think that goes in his favour. And Emery clearly likes him because he, he seems to start more games than he doesn't. Um, but he it is just he's almost a victim of of other players' success at the moment. As we've seen such vast improvements in in your Ollie Watkins, your Tyrone Mings, in, in Matty Cash, even in a, in a lot of these Villa players, and Buendia is still just kind of ticking along. He's not quite. He's got some good goals, got some good assists. But as I say, the Bournemouth game was almost Emmy Buendia wrapped up in a nutshell. First half couldn't couldn't make a pass. He just could not string one together. Got you know turned over the ball a bit too often in good positions, and I thought could have been hauled at half time and and probably wouldn't have felt too upset about it. Then second half, he was one of the best players on the park, and I think that really sums up his career for Villa so far. He's just been a little bit too inconsistent, and hopefully, I mean as I say, we've seen seen Emery do it with other players. If he can, Buendia's got the talent. He just needs to start consistently putting it together, but. But make no mistake, I think the next couple of months are an audition for him because it's it's a position we could upgrade, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there obviously have been links. I've, you know, we talked talked a lot in January, didn't we, about the links to Gwenduzi. Um and also um is it Goncalves who, mm-hmm. who who plays for uh sport in Lisbon? He's he's been linked also in the last few days, in the last couple of weeks. It'd be very very exciting um, signing. So um, it's clearly a position, you know, I, I imagine they're looking at all the positions, aren't they, yeah. to, to, you know, to, to see where they can upgrade. But um, I do think Buendia, you know, might be struggling a little bit. But there's also been a lot of talk about um, the fact that he's he's possibly more useful as, a, as an impact sub. Um, I think he was coming on as a sub an awful lot last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly, with no real, no real direction, no real kind of instruction about what to do, other than just try and make something happen, you know. And uh, you know, obviously, didn't really, <laughs> other than you know, he used to energise the, the team a little bit. Um, but he's 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 got more of a he, he, there is more of a plan now, isn't there? There's more of an idea about what he is he's being asked to do. I think he is a very effective player. I've said I've said before I, I really like him on the left left side of the four. Um I've always kind of liked the idea of him as a midfielder because I think he's got that bite about mm-hmm. him and I think you know his passing is is quite good. He's got a little trick. He'll he'll receive the ball under pressure. And I think those are those are good qualities for that for that role. Um I like him in that in that area it gives him a bit more space, and of course he's got Marino bombing down um, the, the left to support him as well. So um, I wonder if we'll we'll start to see him there a little bit. He kind of played as a bit of a fal- almost a false nine against Bournemouth, though he was kind of in that position with Watkins more left and and obviously Bailey on the right. He was kind of kind of down the middle almost as a as a false nine. It's quite interesting. Yeah, and I think we saw quite a lot of, of Villa players kind of dropping into those central positions and then running with the ball and trying to beat the Bournemouth players. And I think there was there was obviously a plan, and and I think that's that's a kind of a part of the Emery setup is he likes one of the strikers ideally to to almost not be a striker to start up there, but but either pull wide as as Leon Bailey does when he plays there, or Buendia drops off deep. And and we've said it before about Emery, he's a man who who has a separate plan for every encounter. He's he's got a detailed plan, and that's where having flexible players I think really comes into its own because you know Buendia against Bournemouth could play up top, but then you know we've got other games coming up where he might prefer him off the left. And the same we saw with John McGinn here. We've seen John McGinn playing some of his best football off the right for us. 
But in this game, he played brilliantly in a central midfield position. And so I think Villa have actually got quite a versatile squad. It's, it's We've got a lot of players who are who are not brilliant at any one thing, but are good at, at pretty much a lot of a lot of things. And and before that's been a weakness for us. We haven't had players who really kind of give us the nines and tens in every match. But I think having a few few versatile players is going to really suit Emery. And and as I say, I think that versatility with Buendia and that tactical versatility that you talk about with him being able to snap into tackles, be a little bit of a terrier in there, I think really goes in his favour. And I think I think John McGinn's the prime example for him at the moment of what he should be doing is, is you've got someone like John McGinn who, who's career almost has resurrected this season in the space of a few months I think if if Buendia can just watch that a little bit and take a few pointers as I'm sure he does in training then then I think he could have a strong end to the season and, and be a big player for us next year or well, that's what I've been saying for two years anyway but yeah yeah absolutely and but I think that that would be great wouldn't it you know if he, if he can go into into the end of the season giving Emery something to think about there and and and, and being a being a realistic option in a number of those positions, I think that's great because it's great for the the squad depth as well. If new players do come in, you know, players might come in that kind of initially kind of keep him out the side. But if he's there, you know, knocking on the door, you know, in a in a way you'd hope for for a record signing, then I think uh, I, th- I think it. It just it just strengthens everything, doesn't it? it? Strengthens a number of positions, like we say. He's he's a very versatile player, um, and he's he's um, it's his commitment. I just think mm. he's you know from that perspective, he's he is he's a joy to watch, um, even if we're not we're not necessarily seeing seeing the best of him. Um, yeah, I don't want to be too harsh. He's had some good games. <laughs> he has had some really good games, and he has. I think his numbers have improved as well, haven't yeah. they? And certainly stats around sort of chances created and that kind of thing um, is is very encouraging. So it's just a case of seeing, isn't it? Seeing if he if he can kind of add that level of consistency to his game in a way that you know perhaps guys like Bailey um, aren't able to at the moment. You know, he he, he makes himself a realistic um, a realistic option, doesn't he? Um, but Emmy Martinez as well is over there, and, and and been been hearing some some really positive things from Martinez uh, regarding his his stay at Villa. There was obviously there's going to be talk, isn't there, about him him potentially moving away and playing in the Champions League. But you know, comments about still having the four and a half years left at the club, um, yeah, and being after Mark Bosnich's clean sheet record, which I think in the sixties is. So on thirty now, I think, or or, or just above. Um, it's really positive, isn't it? It's a really positive sign that he's he does actually see his his immediate future at Aston Villa. Yeah, it is, and I, I mean, I've I've been on the pod before saying that that he's replaceable, and I do think he is, but I think that's maybe me putting my guard up as well because I don't want <laughs> him to go, and I, you almost convince yourself that a player ah, you don't need him because it would hurt if they left. The one thing I would say about Emi Martinez is is we've heard this before from players. We 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 won't mention them on here, but we've had players promise us that they they want to stick around, they they want to you know put down roots, they want to win things with Villa, and then then an offer comes in, and they disappear a couple of weeks later or forty eight hours later, as happened before. So <laughs> I, I won't believe it until he's lining up for Villa next season. But I, you know he's a great character, he's a great story at Villa. And he, he's a great player to have in the team. I actually think he's not been particularly good since the World Cup, interestingly enough. I think he's he's not played well. But against Bournemouth, again, he was a player who had improved. I thought his use of the ball at his feet was much better at, against Bournemouth. And and that's been a criticism of him under Emery. And and I think he he's getting a lot more comfortable as the entire back line is. And and actually the Villa Park crowd are, judging by the noises on that game, that, that playing out from the back is becoming second nature to him a bit more now so you know I hope he has a place in in the future of this team because I've I've loved the Demi Martinez story so far and I'd like it to continue and I also think he's a, a great leader in that dressing room too and he's got experience at the highest level but I, I still despite the positive stuff in the press I still can't shake the feeling that if a big club came in for him a, a Bayern Munich or a PSG that he'd, he'd probably pack his bags and go but I think also 
Villa would probably snap someone's arm off for a stupid offer because goalkeepers are somewhat replaceable. But I know you love him, Andy. I know you're... Yeah, whilst I have a soft spot for him, you've got a full-blown gooey centre for him. Yeah, I, I do. He's, he's, he's obviously one of the one of the best keepers. Amazing that we managed to get him, really. Really good bit of business by the club in the first instance, kind of led by Neil Cutler, as it as it turns out, you know, very much his choice. Um, you know, and Villa went and did the deal. And, you know, I, I like it that Villa do business like that. They're quite ruthless in that regard. They 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 go after a player and and they they get them. Um, and he has been absolutely superb, hasn't he? And seeing him obviously with the World Cup and and all that is 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 great. And winning the goalkeeper awards that he's won in the last um, couple of months, um, it's been fantastic. Obviously, he's he's working on his game, isn't he? He's working hard on on what he's being asked to do. Now, as part of the part of the back line, as part of the team, when the with the ball on 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 the floor, and he's um, he's improving. I think he's 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 leaning into it. He's 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 doing what he's being asked to do. It doesn't always come off, um, but it's hard to teach. As De Gea has learned at Man United, it's hard to teach. Um, you know, a thirty-year-old goalkeeper mm-hmm. new new skills, essentially, isn't it? Um, but he's not. He's not bad um at it and i think i think it, it in many ways he's probably good enough at that side of the game um and he's certainly very good at the other aspects of the game dominating his penalty area saving shots which you know the the old fashioned uh, strengths of goalkeepers <laughs> he is quite good at so um yeah i mean he's and he's like you say wonderful character it's interesting that um, I read somewhere that, uh, that they're bringing in new rules um, to to stop uh, players, goalkeepers undermining penalty takers, which I think's, I just think is 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 an absolute nonsense. Really, I think. oh yeah, it's part of the joy of it. Is penalties are are a tense affair anyway, and and whether it's Emmy doing his stuff or Grobler's legs back in the day, does you need a bit of character in there and it's 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 a rabbit hole we probably shouldn't go down now how much character gets stripped out of football these days but coming up with an entire set of rules just because one goalkeeper quite performatively (laughs) enjoys you know penalty shootouts and seems to gain the edge on the opposition I think it's it's up to the opposition to to do better Maybe do you know Newcastle the other day with Trippier pretending he was going to take the penalty, taking all of the mind games, and then just rolling the ball off to Alexander Isak afterwards. Maybe maybe penalty takers need to be a bit stronger rather than keepers not play yeah. mind games. Well, this is this is my um, my thing. We did that as well earlier in the season against Brentford. Ashley Young was holding the ball to take mm-hmm. the penalty and taking all the all the. Uh, Sledging, let's say, from the from the Brentford players, and then Ings walked forward, picked, took the ball off him, and slammed it in the net. So, but that, but that's the thing. I, I, th- I think there's there should be room for things like that in the game, and I think particularly in a penalty shootout, a, a goalkeeper is so against the odds. You know, everything is against them. The crowd, the Obviously, all these, you know, the, the five players running up <laughs> to take penalties against them. And I don't, I think it's okay just to try and redress the balance a little bit. I think it's absolutely fine. And I think it's entertaining as well. And yeah, I think, I think the penalty takers need to, need to, need to grow up and, uh, you know, st- stop whining. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd hate to take a penalty, don't get me wrong. And the thought of taking a penalty in front of that many people with pressure on it makes me sick. But, I mean, we had it not so long ago when they changed the rules about keepers having to stand on their line during penalties. I think keepers have a hard enough time as it is. It, it's like FIFA don't want, or whoever makes these rules, don't want anyone to miss a penalty and we're going to end up in a situation where it's it's so hard to miss a penalty eventually that shootouts will go on for days until someone eventually keels over from exhaustion or something it's it's getting a little bit ridiculous and but it, it does amuse me that it feels like they've come up with a whole new set of rules just because of Emmy Martinez it, it gives me a little bit of pride <laughs> in our goalkeeper yeah, they should name the rules after him, shouldn't they? The Emmy <laughs> Martinez rules, like the Bosman, Bosman transfers. You know, give it, 
give him that credit, you know, if it wasn't for him. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a bit of a nonsense, isn't it? And and I I don't see a problem with a bit of sledging. I think throwing the ball away and scuffing the spot and things like that is bad. I think I think there should be rules about that, but you know, staring someone down and oh, yeah. you know, throwing a bit of shade at them is uh is that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Particularly Sport, if it's Cristiano it's Ronaldo. Characters. It's it's part of the fun of it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, so you know, let's hope that uh, that we're seeing some of those antics continuing um, at Villa Park next season. But you know, obviously, he's having the time of his life at the moment, isn't he? And Buendia is uh, is joining in on that now, which is which is great to see. Um, Another couple of players, and the, if we look more into the into the Villa engine room, um, another couple of players um, on the score sheet this weekend have been John McGinn and Jacob Ramsey for Scotland and the England under-21s, respectively. Um, both players rediscovering a little bit of form. Um, McGinn, in particular, has been, has been excellent um, since he returned from injury. Jacob Ramsey scored... Against uh, against Bournemouth, an absolute you know trademark Jacob Ramsey goal, you know bursting into the box and and, and firing the ball past past the keeper. Um, McGinn's Scotland form has really remained constant during his his, his poor spell for Aston Villa, um, and he's now got sixteen goals for his country. Um, he's found himself obviously on the right mostly of the, the four-man midfield, as we said, deputising for... And, de- and he deputised for uh, Kamara in the middle in the last two games. Um, I mean, how, how important do you think the, the form of this, these two have been, you know, in terms of... Obviously, we have Louise, who we'll talk about in a, in a bit, and Kamara um, holding the midfield. But these two kind of coming back into form for, for Villa, um, how important have they been... Not only in the um, you know the re- the recovery from the poor start to the season, but also um, the, the kind of mini bad run through February. I think they are possibly the two most important players in this system for Villa and the way we play. They're, they've got to put a lot of work in from those wide positions. They tuck in and and make a box midfield. And they were probably two of our worst performers under Steven Gerrard, as you say. So, so the turnaround is incredible. I mean, I was writing off McGinn's career not so long ago, and he's come back and looks absolutely back to his best, whether coming off the right or, as you say, in the, the kind of deeper position. He superb against Bournemouth again. He was everywhere. His, his, his ball, ball control was brilliant. His passing was brilliant. Jacob Ramsey is, is a different kettle of fish. He's such an interesting one for, him, for me because I don't think he's he's played well for a little while. He's been all over the place this year a little bit, but again, against Bournemouth, as you say, he's got that trademark goal in him, but more than anything, he was bursting past players. Again, he looked comfortable. Every time he got the ball, he looked like he knew he could take it past whoever was in front of him. And I think that's the most important thing he brings to this side. We're, we're a side without much pace. And, and once we can take a man on, we don't have anyone who can really drive the ball up the park in the way that JJ can. So so I think he's hugely important there. And, and I think more than anything else, he's really important off the pitch. I think his best work in the last couple of weeks has been in a pair of wellies at, at the unveiling of Villa's new Inner City Academy. And I think he's so important to Villa because of that. You've got to have that, that pathway open for young players. And we've got a lot of good young players you want to show them that there's a way into the first team. You've got to show them that you can go from the youth ranks to the first team and and improve under the manager and play at international level, score at international level. So I think even, even if JJ doesn't improve further, and I think he's got a lot of room to improve further, he's going to be in and around the team because of that, because he offers us so much away from the pitch. And, and as a Villa fan, that's what I want to see. I'm, I'd, I'd almost... I'd love to see a rule in place where you have to have an academy graduate in your squad because I think it's it's important. And as a fan, I find we all, we get behind one of our own more than anything. And and in JJ, you've got a character I think's very likeable. I mean, you know him better than me, Andy. You go walking dogs with him. So you, sh- you should know this better than I do. <laughs> met, met him once walking the dog in Sutton <laughs> Park, yeah. Um, no, I mean, he, he just seems like a very grounded lad, doesn't he? Very normal sort of down-to-earth 
um, chap with his with his um, obviously his, his younger brother at the club as well, and he obviously you know performing incredibly well up at, up at Middlesbrough as they're chasing that that promotion spot. But yeah, I, I I agree. I think I think particularly, I th- I wouldn't say particularly at Villa because that that makes it sound like it's not important to every club. But I th- I do I do think at Villa we we like that idea, don't we? Of 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 our own players, you know, Birmingham born Aston Villa supporting players, um, you know, coming through the academy and getting in the team. Um, he's he's following a very difficult act isn't he he's following the guy that kind of held everything together for for so long um in Jack Grealish and he doesn't have to do that Ramsey he, he, he's not he's not got that responsibility on his on his shoulders and he, he possibly never will have but it it's really good that he's there as as that like you say that that beacon to the to the academy you know that you know, this is this is what can can happen if you put the work in, and we've kind of followed his development a little bit on this on this podcast. You know, when he's when he's first come into the side, I th- possibly against Wolves, I think um, during the COVID season, uh, he, he he started he started a game and he was, um, you know, he was okay and he played some games that season quite a lot under Dean Smith. Um, and we weren't really sure if he was if he was ready mm-hmm. for the Premier League. He he was he was okay, he held his own, but we were kind of scratching our heads to to kind of try and work out what what he did, what was his what was his game, what was his thing. And now, like I say, he's he's got he's scoring goals which are which are trademarks, you know, which we say that's a Jacob Ramsey finish, that's a Jacob Ramsey run you know that that kind of burst of energy in that final third into the penalty area you know he's incredibly brave on the ball he's always prepared to have a go he doesn't he doesn't shy away from that and i really like that i think that's great and i think that shows players like his brother like um other players tim urbunum and other players coming through play your game you know play to your strengths and you know, and there's a future for you at this club. I think, I think, I think it's excellent. Do you, do you think he's, he's, you know, we've talked about players coming in. We've talked about Buendia. We've talked about obviously um, the role McGinn's had. Do you, do you think he's got to go on to another level now next season? I think he does. I think he needs to go on to another level this season. Um, I, I find it interesting. You, you mentioned kind of the the man whose shoes he's he's filling there, and I think. What we're finally getting with Jacob Ramsey is maybe finding his best position. Much as Grealish kind of came up to the Premier League as a central midfielder for us, but got better as we shunted him out wide. I think we're saying the same with with Ramsey now too. And under Smith, he was kind of an attacking midfielder. Under Gerrard, he was an auxiliary fullback. I mean, God knows what he was doing under Gerrard. But now I think... Under Buendia, he's got a manager who who is using him in exactly the right way. He's popping him out on the wing so he doesn't get sucked into that kind of hard, you know, battle in the midfield. But it also gives him a lot of room to run into and as a, as a right footer to naturally cut into. Um, and I think that's great for him. And another one, I talked about versatility earlier. We've seen him play off the right against United in, in Emery's first match, play very well there. Seen him play off the left recently. I'd still like to see him in that kind of false nine position that Wendia played against Bournemouth. I think that's a really good spot for him too because he can drop deep, pick up the ball, turn and run at opponents. So I think he's got all the tools to go as far as he wants to go, but he's going to need to be a bit more consistent before the end of the season if he's going to nail down that spot because I do think that left side of the midfield is probably where we're going to be looking to upgrade pretty quickly. Yeah, it's 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 not knowing, isn't it, what what we're actually looking to do and how it's all going to fit together um, for next season. Um, no one can really see into Unai Emery's brain and, and and figure out what he's what he's planning. But um, I mean, it's exciting, whatever it is, isn't it? But I certainly think Ramsey will be in that first sort of fifteen or sixteen players come what may and I think I think he's a very dangerous player. He's, he's proved that on so many occasions. His finishing and his direct um attacking 
um, his pace and his skill just makes him makes him a you know a must really in that in that, in that lineup along along with the fact that he's obviously an, an academy graduate as well, which which as you say we all we all love. But sort of sticking with the midfield really, one one player not involved in the international break is um is Douglas Louise and we, we have to mention him really. He's not he's not in the Brazil squad. Um obviously he's he's competing with some some big names there in that midfield um to to get in there. Um but he had a, he had an excellent game against Bournemouth. We did a whole big section on him in the uh in the in the lost the lost tapes. Um but uh you know, he, he, he scored his goal, he created that goal as well, and he was absolutely majestic um, during that game um, against Bournemouth. Um, he's, he's, he has attracted a lot of plaudits for that performance and people saying it was the best they'd seen him this season, maybe. Um, but he has been in, in good form, and he's particularly since Emery took over, playing alongside Kamara, possibly in Kamara's shadow somewhat. Um, in that regard, but many of us, including myself, um, on this podcast, um, would have probably taken that twenty-three million that Arsenal offered on deadline day in August. Um, but he has proved proved me wrong a little bit, and proved a lot of people wrong. And he's he's kind of kicked on to another level now. Um, how do you think that development has has happened? Is it is it a lot down to Emery and the and the system and yeah, you know, he must be. He must be getting close to that Brazil squad now. Do you think? Oh, Pat? you'd you'd think so. I mean, I think probably the highest compliment I could give him is if he had gone to Arsenal, he'd be starting for them right now and and would look comfortable in a title chasing team. He looks that good, and twenty three million would have been a laughable price to sell him for. <laughs> I mean, you'd struggle to get him for twice that now. It's it's bizarre, but look, he he's been fantastic this season. The Bournemouth game, he was superb and. And one of the things that I really took away from the Bournemouth game was his confidence. He was oozing confidence every time he got the ball. He was in control of the match. He was setting the tempo. He was gliding past players at will. He was throwing himself into tackles. He was covering the grass, scoring a goal, could have got more. And he just looks like a confident young man who's played a lot of football because he has played a lot of football. He's, He's played under a few different managers now, but from a young age, he's played a lot of football. I think the real difference, though, whilst confidence is one part of it, is he's got a manager who understands what he is. And I think that's the most important thing because Dino played him as as almost a pure six. And, and I don't think he is that. He played well for us. And like post, post kind of project restart, he was really good, possibly our best player there. But I think you, you miss a lot of his attributes if you play him purely as a holder. Under Gerard, I mean, Gerard didn't really play him that much, but I think he saw him more as a shuttler in midfield, someone who'd get up and down. But he's a combination of the both. He's he's a deep-lying box-to-box midfielder, and you don't get many of those in England or in Europe. It's a, it's a South American position. They have it quite a lot in the South American leagues, these kind of, you know, deeper second players whose job it is to kind of screen the defence, but then to burst forwards and, and almost dictate the tempo as the ball goes up the pitch. And... And that's what Emery's done with him. He's unlocked him. He's given him the potential to to go and do that. I mean, it's kind of strange in a midfield with him and McGinn, as we saw against Bournemouth, you'd expect McGinn to be the one getting forwards and Louise to be the one holding. But it's not the case. Louise was the one who was getting further forward all the time. Still doing his defensive work, but getting forwards, controlling the tempo more. And, and that's what's happened. That's why he's playing so well, because he's he's got a manager who's playing him in his best position and his best role I think more than anything and he's a tough player I think he he wouldn't fit in every team in the league I think he's a brilliant player and every team would want him but tactically he requires a certain kind of system to get his very best out of him and luckily we've just got a manager who actually understands what that system is yeah absolutely he's 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 a lovely player to watch isn't he he yeah the way he kind of glides over the over the turf um similar kind of style to, to Coutinho I, I'd say that that kind of running style um and like you say he's he feels you feel like he's he's always in control of the ball you feel like he's he's not fast but he can he can get away from a player he, he can he can leave a player for dead in the midfield and and that's really I mean it, it showed in the in the Bournemouth game obviously building out 
building out from the back and he was the one that broke the lines by by you know taking taking a couple of players out of the game and and making that that run forward um and then of course finishing it off at the end as well which which was fantastic do, do you feel like um because we we talked about Mings Watkins they're kind of the main backbone of the side and Martinez of course um do you feel like Doug, Douglas feels like he's now at that level as well like he's one of the the kind of main kind of leadership group members now and that it's kind of his team he's kind of running running the show in the midfield there a little bit I mean it looks like it on the pitch doesn't it as I say the swagger about him against Bournemouth was phenomenal and just seeing him I, I mentioned a few weeks ago when I was on the pod that I think him and, and Kamara are our two most important players in this system because they decide when we break the midfield or not. We'll we'll knock it around the back quite confidently, but those are the two that make the decision to be like, right, now we're breaking the lines, now we're going. And they're hugely important for doing that in there, and that's a lot of responsibility for two young players. But I think you're right. I think it is becoming a Louise team because especially against Bournemouth he decided when when we went from this slow build up to like right now we're going quickly now we're going for the jugular and it's a joy to watch the confidence of such a young man doing it the amount of times he just stopped the game and put his foot on the ball and almost goaded Bournemouth onto him and then would just slip past them or or would play a, a lovely raking ball because he's got that range of passing him too and and an engine to get up and down as well. But he he is the most important cog in this Villa machine at the moment, I think, because eh? uh, him and Kamara are, are the keys to how we play. And and I think, you know, as we're gearing up to the summer, we're going to be talking a lot about the business Villa will, will may or may not do. But two positions where we don't need starters, I think, is those two central midfield positions. Some depth would be nice, but I think those two, in those two, we have got two young highly talented midfielders who who are going to go on to be big names on the world stage I think and there's still Dougie Louise has played god he must be coming up for 100 games now for Villa and he's what 24 25 he's still so young and he's played that mm. many games for us he's he's a fantastic player and and yeah I'm I'm loving seeing him come good yeah I think it was 100 games sort of more towards the start of the season so he's well over wow. that now um, and for yeah, for for such a young player, um, and I, I think I said actually, I, I, I did say that I, I, I may have taken the twenty three million at the time, but at the same time I said, I said also that you know if Villa wanted a, you know a Brazilian number eight who's played for Brazil, who's 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 got over a hundred caps, um, hundred Premier League appearances, you know how much would we have to pay for him? And we've already got him, sort of thing. So. And like you say, I think a lot of teams would be would be looking at him. That's the danger, I think, almost that those two players will be on everyone's radar. You know, all the all the top six clubs, all the big clubs in Europe will be looking at um, Douglas Luiz and, and Bubakar Kamara. Um, you know, obviously Luiz signed a contract, didn't he? Um, you know, and obviously we we assume that there's 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 um, he's protected in that in that contract in terms of, um, you know, offers that might come in for him. There might be release clauses and and that sort of thing. So, yeah, that, that that's my worry. That's my worry for the summer. But, you know, hopefully the club are, are, are alive to it and, and have have plans in place if, if those things happen. But um, I'd be disappointed if, if Kamara left so soon. Um, I'd... I'd I'd hope he'd give us more than one season, um, you know. But we'll see. I mean, what 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 do you think? Are those do you think those two could be targeted in the summer? I think clubs will look at them. They'd be fools not to. Both of them are, are great players, young players in a position that's hard to fill. As you say, they both got good contracts, and I think would cost someone a lot of money. And the other thing we've got to take into account here is the Emery factor. This is a top draw manager that they're playing under, a manager that's improving their game and is clearly improving the team. I mean, we, the the form table doesn't lie. We are the third best team since Emery came in. He is doing everything to take this club by the scruff of its neck into the upper echelons in the league. 
And if you're Dougie Lewis and Bubakar Kamara, you're going to be excited by that in the summer, I think. You're, you're going to want to stick around. You're going to want this, this master tactician to work on your game and improve you as a player. And I think another couple of years at least, as long as Villa continue on an upward trajectory, why wouldn't you stick around? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we might as well kind of get into that a bit more, the the the, the impact Emery has made. You know, um, like you say, third i think it's there's some debates third or fourth isn't it in the in the form in the form table but it's 26 points from a from a possible 42 from 14 matches in charge so far league matches um the home form as well is kind of beginning to match match the away form the away form's been absolutely excellent hasn't it since since emery came in um you know, there's still still a few sort of moans and groans about the style of play and the slow build up and the and the um playing out from the back and, and, and that kind of thing. Um but we are only four points behind Liverpool, who are sixth. <laughs> um form table, like I say, has us has us sitting very, very well in that, you know, since since Emory took over. Um and it doesn't feel like that, that that has really filtered through to the national media yet. It's it's still very much well Villa eleventh. They're kind of they're no in, in no man's land a little bit. People right rightfully talking about um sort of Brighton and Brentford being more in the in the running for that that sort of seventh place. Um but do you think we are? I mean we obviously the outsiders for the European places, but do you think we have a chance or or um is there just too many teams in front of us at the minute? I made the bold prediction to you a few weeks ago, Andy, that we're going to qualify for the Conference League, and I stand by <laughs> it. The, the defeat against Leicester is still the one that galls me, because I think we win that and the conversation's looking very, very different. But this next run of games we've got coming up are really important. We've got, what, Chelsea, Brentford, Fulham, I think, coming up as well. These are all teams above us that that we're going to want to be beating if we're if we're going to sneak into Europe. The one thing I would say about us not getting the attention is I think it's such a bizarre season this season is we're we're the only mid-table team in the entire division. It's incredibly bizarre. Like Chelsea and upwards are, are all within a shot of, of top four, if not Europe, and, and 12th and below are all within a shot of being relegated. So for us to be safe at this point, especially considering where we were when, when he who shall not be named was in charge of us and we were flirting with relegation... To be eleventh and comfortable is a hell of an achievement this season, and and it's as I say, it's a shame that Leicester result and and probably the Arsenal one too, because you you get some points out of them, and and we're we're looking very much up the table then. But do you know what? I think it's in our hands. Fulham are, are kind of running out of steam a little bit. I, I don't trust Brentford to keep going the way they are. Chelsea are a hot mess. Liverpool are a hot mess, and I think that there's a strong chance that that we're the form team that maybe sneaks into that last European place. But but maybe I've got rose-tinted glasses on, Andy. What do you reckon? <laughs> I think you always look at it from your perspective, don't you? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I can remember making a prediction um, in the promotion season that when we were 13th in the league that we would go up in the playoffs um, after we beat Derby. And, 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 it, and it happened. And uh, so I'm not going to make another prediction like that because it won't happen again. But... Um, <laughs> I, I think I think we will move up. I, I I do think we'll finish in the top half for for sure. I think we'll finish tenth or above. Um, we the form is the form would have to really fall off a cliff. Um, I think for us not to do that, like you say, I think I think Brentford might might stutter a little bit, and particularly if 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 anything um, happens to to Ivan Tony, it seems likely. Um, Fulham as well. You know, form's a bit patchy. I think they, they they could well lose Mitrovic after his outburst yeah. last weekend. Um, absolutely should should be a good few games uh, banned for him. I think, um, but they've got a good team. They've got a good manager. They can they can win games, particularly at home. So that'll be interesting. I feel like Chelsea will probably probably continue to to improve after they've played us. Um, and 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 probably getting get get above us and Brighton just seem like a you know nothing can stop them they just seem seem 
you know, superb. And maybe that game at the end of the season will mean something. The last game of the season at Villa Park against Brighton, possibly that could uh, that that could have something on it. Um, by that stage, you never know. Um, so yeah, you sort of weigh it up and you think, yeah, maybe we've got a chance. I mean, Brighton have got have got the FA Cup that they're 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 heavily involved in still as well, which might prove a bit of a distraction for them. Um, so there's 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 that as well. So you start to you start to look at that and you think, oh, yeah, maybe we've maybe we've got a chance. You know, we're not that far away. You know, we're not that far away, are we? So um, if we keep picking up the points at this rate, then why not? Eh? Why not? Why not finish seventh what, or higher? What a nice place to be as a Villa fan to be looking upwards and to be positive again and and with some actual basis behind it you know the the job Emery has done since he's come in whether whether you like the style of football or not it has been unbelievably effective we uh we we have no right to be performing as well as we are especially with the the paper thin squad that he's dealing with so it's hugely impressive I have the utmost respect for him and and as we said when he came in it's this is what happens when you have a good manager this is not a surprise this is a a highly decorated manager who's won countless trophies all over Europe it's no surprise that he's performing well in the Premier League and I think this is what happens when you hire hire the right man for the job is is your team just gets dragged up the league. He he's basically kind of shooting power at the moment. He's he's not putting up any trees, he's not overperforming. He's just doing what Unai Emery does and, and long may it continue. Yeah, I think um I heard I heard that um someone uh likening playing Man City to, to playing Novak Djokovic at tennis over five sets. It's that kind of relentless kind of he 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 will just beat you, um, you know, by default in the end. And that's how it feels a little bit with Emery, just that just that kind of that that ruthless accumulation of points, you know. I think fans who who don't like the the style of play need to consider whether they want to be going to these games, you know, because at the moment we're moving in a really positive direction and if that's not, not to your liking, then uh, then maybe find something else to do on a Saturday. But I think uh, I think it's it, it's inc- it's ex- extremely encouraging. And um yeah, I'm 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 loving every minute of it and you know going into games actually feeling like you're gonna win is a very unusual uh, situation for us. Um so, yeah, um, and we'll be back next weekend, first um, of uh, April, April Fool's Day. We're playing <laughs> uh, playing Chelsea away from home. The team that we're currently battling for tenth place with it's nip and tuck all the way. Um, and uh, you know, it's it, I think I think they have started to to regain some of the form. Um, recently under under Graham Potter, he's wrestling with a, with a huge squad, um, lots of players, lots of big name players, assembled for around four hundred million over the last two transfer windows. It really is incredible stuff, um, and to be sitting tenth is 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 a bit of a uh, um, a disgrace, really, um, on their part. But it's a big chance for Villa to overtake Chelsea and move into the top half. Um, the away form remains very impressive despite the draw last time um, against West Ham. But Emery will be hoping that his already small squad isn't weakened further by by the international break. And he'll also be hoping that Kamara, Dendonker and Coutinho may well be back from injury. And of course, Diego Costa, uh, Diego Carlos, sorry, <laughs> um, he uh, completed 60 um, odd minutes in a in a in a behind-closed-doors game against Bristol Rovers the other day as well, which is really encouraging. So that's that's great to have him back on the pitch. Um, what do you think for this one? Do you think... Uh, how do you think he, he approaches this? Um, and can we do it? Can we move above them? Big challenge, this one, and possibly the biggest game since Emery's come in. I think it's, as you say, win and we go above them, a, a team that's spent half a billion almost on players and still look like they have no identity, whereas, you know, Emery's come in, spent, you know, 13 million and has instantly put an identity on his team. So it's going to be a real challenge. They've got a lot of talent. And as you say, we've got a paper-thin squad. 
as far as the approach goes, I'd almost expect us to play that 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 back six, that quasi back six we played against Spurs when they they had the flying wing backs because you know Reese James and uh, and Chilwell now now back from from injury, they're they're Chelsea's real danger men there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see us go uber pragmatic and and kind of batten down the hatches and try and get get them on the break, but. But I'm feeling confident about this one. I honestly think we can go there and win. And if we do, then I think, you know, we're looking up the table again. But but this is a big barometer. Win this and the season's looking exciting. Don't win this and we're probably going to have to make do with 11th for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? It feels like another one of those. I heard someone describing it as a hump game. It's like <laughs> Wednesday. It's like, can you get over it? Can you get over this game and... And kind of and kind of really kind of um, move forward, or are you or are you going to take another setback and 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 remain remain behind? And you know it's a good way of looking at it, really. And the Leicester game was was clearly the last game that we had like that, and we we fell short. Um, I f- I feel I feel pretty confident about this. I've just got a feeling we're going to go and do a really professional job at Chelsea. I think they struggle to score goals. Um, so it's not like Chelsea teams that we've faced in the past. You know, we've been hammered eight nil and seven nil, and <laughs> God knows what at, at Stamford Bridge in the past. So, you know, I think this is a team that I think we can we can sort of control the game, similar to the Tottenham game. I think, and mm-hmm. uh, I feel I feel reasonably confident. And you know, if we can like if we can play to our strengths and, and, and hit them on the break. I think we could be quite dangerous, like you say. Um, obviously, it'd be great to have camera back. I'm really happy oh, yeah. he is. Um, but if not, then 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 at least Dendonka or just carry on with, with you know, with the team that that won the last game. So um, so let's see. And hopefully people will be back um, back from injury. I think back from international duty. I think Cash picked up, picked up an injury for Poland. Um, but I'm not sure how bad that is. Um, so we'll wait and see. Um, I guess next week and see see who arrives back in in training, and we'll be looking at those training photos with interest to to, to find out who's who's around. So um, yeah, I'm feeling confident. What what are you saying about a prediction? I'm feeling confident, but I don't want to jinx it. But I'm going two one Villa. 2-1. Oh, you, t- you kind of took the words out of my mouth there. Um, I'm going to go, I, I think 2-1 as well, but I'm going to go 2-0. 2-0 Villa. I think a real kind of away performance and we're going to, we'll, we'll do them on the break. Um, and then, of course, we play Leicester next next Wednesday, so we'll hope to, um, or is it Tuesday or Wednesday? So we'll hope to to maybe, maybe get a, a podcast out before then. Uh, after the Chelsea game, if we can, if we can turn it around, we'll we'll try and do that. But uh, yeah, that that could be a really interesting week. I think um, you know those two away games. You know, we we could be we could be even even closer to those European places by uh, by the time we next have a home game. So um, let's hope so. Um, but thanks for joining me today, Dan. It's been it's been great, and we've we've hopefully we. <laughs> This one will will uh, <laughs> see the light of day at some point in the next couple of days. Um, but thanks to everyone for listening, and uh, hope you're uh, hope you're not having too much of a bad international break, and looking forward to the Premier League returning um, at the weekend. Um, if you're going to Chelsea, have a have a great a great day. Um, obviously, check out our, our socials under Gasset Lamp and the website under Um as well and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts as well that'd be great um but until next week hopefully before the leicester game if not after it um we'll uh, stay safe and up the villa <laughs>